If you're ready to confront your destiny, if this is the moment that you've been praying for, tune in and listen to your cosmic cheerleader, Commander Lady Athena, for cosmic pep talks, for closet Christ. The show is the voice of the Ashtar Command. The call is for you to step forward into your greatness. Be listening on Wednesday. We have an appointment with destiny. Greetings in the divine love that is and that infuses every particle of existence. I'm Commander Lady Athena, and you're listening to the voice of the Ashtar Command. Cosmic Pep Talks for Closet Christs. This evening, our seminar topic is Gratitude Evokes Grace Activates Miracles. Gratitude Evokes Grace Activates Miracles. So, if you're ready to evoke grace and activate miracles in your life, let's just get going. So, let's relax and take a deep breath together. Just release the day and any concerns that you may have brought to this moment. Just be here and now. There's nothing else you need to do, nothing else you need to pay attention to. This moment contains all that is. Take another deep breath. And relax. And now I'd like you to, if you wish, call to mind someone or something that you're very grateful for. And now we're going to very gently allow that feeling of gratitude to fill our heart as you think of whatever it is that you feel extremely grateful for. And now we're going to evoke grace. For your attitude of gratitude is what evokes and connects you to what we call grace. And visualize, if you will, a silver ray of light coming down to the very top of your crown, of your head, and see it absolutely filling every cell of your body, every single molecule of your emotions, all of your thoughts, your feelings, anything that is in your aura, in your mind, in your consciousness that needs to have miracles activated. That's asking 
for that which transcends all of our inadequacies and does miracles simply because it loves you. And see that silver, beautiful, sparkling light just go down throughout your body. If there's any area where you have discomfort or pain, any dis-ease anywhere in the body, bring in the comforting ease and the supernatural miracle-working power of grace. Now flood your aura and your subtle bodies with that silvery light of divine grace. And we're going to chant very lovingly the sacred name of God that goes beyond any religious confinement and is the heavenly universal song of love that we sing to our Creator. Deep breath. in this beautiful state of grace I would like you if you wish to thank the divine spirit for whatever it is this moment that you need in your life yes go ahead and thank the divine spirit as if it was already fully manifested. And that, my beloved brothers and sisters, is how you activate the miracles that transcend all considerations of the world, all personal inadequacies, and assures you that 
your request will be granted and is already granted as you have ushered forth your gratitude. So right now it's important to accept in full faith and confidence that the appearance into time-space will manifest according to what is for your highest good. That's all you need to do. No matter what your situation, circumstance, environment, state of health, whatever is going on in your life right now, Gratitude evokes grace and activates miracles. This is something we need to have some tea with, okay? Because it's so foreign to the way the ego operates in the world, the way the ego I would say projected illusion that we think of as real life, which is not. It's so foreign to that mindset that it needs constant reinforcement until it becomes your natural go-to. We exist in a universe of love, we are upheld by love. We are made for love. We are made of love. We are made by love. Love is our only dharma, our only duty. Well, not even a duty. There's no duty to love. There's just dharma. Dharma is the natural behavior of the true self that we are. It's the natural behavior that arises from our innate divinity and goodness and grace. Grace exists within the heart of our being. It's part of our true self. It's not something outside, and yet... We live and move and have our existence within a greater grace that we could call the divine spirit. And that grace is not something that you have to beseech, grovel for, uh, even pray for. You only need to touch into that place inside your heart where grace resides as a manifestation of your own gratitude. Why gratitude? Well, quite simply, it negates ego. It negates the false self. 
gratitude and ego cannot coexist in the same heart. So since all of our problems come from identifying with our false self, it stands to reason that grace simply comes as a result of correct identification with who you truly are and with life as it truly is, as God created it, not as the ego invented it or interprets it. The ego, you see, lives in a very warring universe, a very adversarial universe, a universe that requires, the ego thinks, constant protection and defense against outer foes, which really exist nowhere but in the mind that is turned away from reality. So to turn the mind back to reality, we move to the gratitude. We move to the loving, because again, love and gratitude go together. You cannot find gratitude where there's not love. You cannot find love where there's not gratitude. Certain things, you see, just come along as one. Giving and receiving also come together as one. What we give at the very moment we've given it, we've received. Isn't it interesting how often we will pray for the healing of another person, selflessly and in loving, and turn to find that we've been healed? Do you realize you cannot give something that you do not receive in like kind at the very same instant? They come together. Gratitude and joy come together. You cannot possibly be grateful without feeling a sense of joy and well-being. They come together. So we need to keep company, you see, with the things that are true. The things that are true always give a sense of relief and joy and peace. Truth is not something that is, let's say, a truth to this person and a truth to that person. When you speak like that, you're speaking out of the confusion of the ego mind. There's not her truth and his truth and your truth and their truth. No, 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 no. We are speaking of satyam, absolute truth. Truth to be truth must be the same today, tomorrow, and forever, unshakable, because God is truth. Satyam, Shivam, Sundaram. God is truth. Goodness, beauty. Satyam, Shivam, Sundaram. Truth, goodness, beauty. So any time you are focused, you see, on truth, you will have a sense of the beauty of life, the beauty of yourself, the beauty of other people. You will notice the goodness 
and the goodness in you will arise and be a blessing to all around you. And that, you see, is the state of grace. You see, these things all come together. As the old saying goes, show me your company and I'll tell you who you are. What do you keep company with? So you see, we live in a universe that responds to and echoes back our exact vibration and intent. Imagine, if you will, living within a giant genie that the minute the slightest little thought, wish, intention is sent forth, immediately it goes to fulfill it. Immediately. It doesn't stop to discriminate whether you're worthy or unworthy, whether you're good or evil, or any of those polarities that we've invented. It simply responds in like kind to your vibration. Isn't that amazing? And it's all interconnected. You can't possibly do anything that is not shared throughout the universe. Isn't that an awesome thought? The tiniest little flutter of a butterfly's wing has an impact upon the entire collective vibration. We're all one. The diversity of forms, you see, through which the one wished to experience relationship and loving fools us into thinking there's different people out there, different things that are separate from us. And that sense of separation is what we define as the ego. We're not talking about pride, vanity, and conceit here, or arrogance. We're talking about the, that sense of illusion that has caused us to believe we're separate from one another and from our source. The truth is we are incarnations, embodiments, extensions of that source and that love of that source in tangible form in time-space. Why? So we could enjoy one another, so we could have fun, so we could explore and have adventure. But most of all, so we could exchange love. And in that loving, join as one with our Creator. Because whenever two or more are joined in one accord, in that loving, God is present. The Christ is present. The Christ being the Anointed One the anointed son and daughter of God, which is every single one of us as soul. The soul is the Christ. The soul is the Son of God. The soul is the Mashiach. The soul 
is the Atma, the real self. And it's simply an extension of loving. Gratitude is its very existence. And everything it does is in correct alignment with the source or the Father, as Jesus called the source. But your true father, beloved, is truth, satyam. Your true mother is prema, love. Your true son is wisdom, yana. Your true daughter is peace, shanti. And your true friends are satparushas men and women who live in and as the divine self realized. That is your only relationship. You have relationship only with the self that is capital S. So grace is the power the miracle-working power, the only power, the only Shakti that is operating through our human, seemingly human, vehicles. It is the power by which every miracle that's ever been done by any great God-being is done. There's only one power, and that power is grace. And it's the miracle-working power of our own true self. Our self itself is grace. And this grace arises from within us as the result of our right relationship with ourself, God, and life, which, by the way, are one and the same. The self, God, the life force, are one and the same. That's why the Master Jesus, when he was in that exalted state, could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Every single one of us needs to make that same statement. But it can only be made from the truth of your being. So grace is the response of the universe to your gratitude and loving kindness. It's so simple. Gratitude and loving kindness immediately cause you to be in a state of grace. How simple is that? So grace is a vibration that we access through gratitude. Gratitude is devoid of ego, unkindness, selfishness. doesn't have any resonance with that. Gratitude cancels out ego entirely. So if you want to check 
if your attitude is one of ego, check your gratitude. But you know what? When you're in a state of ego, you won't even think of gratitude. (laughs) It won't even come to mind. So you would have to be in a state of mindfulness where you're watching yourself from the balcony of higher consciousness to catch yourself when you slip into ego states of consciousness, which are always self-focused, not in a good way, not, not the high self, but the lower self. That's a state where it's all about me, 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 me. Mine, 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 mine. That's mine. This is mine. You know, that. (laughs) It's very selfish, very self-focused. So most of the world scriptures teach us that we are to give thanks to God at all times and in all conditions, and that his grace is all-sufficient. Why? Because giving thanks, expressing gratitude and appreciation is how we access supernatural power and miracles. Of course, the miracle states it this way. Gratitude is how I walk in love. Sai Baba says this. Everything is a sign of God's grace. The point here you see to remember is that absolutely nothing in our life happens that is not meant for our ultimate joy, fulfillment, and emancipation. Nothing in our life is at random. Now, because we live in a universe that functions by cause and effect, echo and resound thought, feeling, and manifestation. And because we are incarnations, embodiments of the Supreme Creator, and we have the nature, likewise, of being creators, we are held responsible for what we create. It's called the law of cause and effect, or reciprocity, or karma. And so the only thing that can erase, mitigate, bypass, transcend karma, cause and effect, is grace. You see, at a certain point, grace had to enter our world and supersede it with a higher approach. And that approach was called grace. Otherwise, we would have stayed in the program of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth until we're all blind and toothless. That was the old law. Harsh. Unrelenting. 
unforgiving. And then Grace entered. And Grace was a new program that entered with Jesus and his overshadowing master, the Christ. And that fulfilled all of the former laws, all of the former edicts of the prophets. It completed and fulfilled them. And a new covenant was brought forward ratified by the divine blood of the blemishless Lamb of God. You see, the original taint came in with the shedding of blood with the first Adam. And the only thing that could quiet that particular momentum was the shedding sacrificially by the blemishless one who came not to die on the cross but to ratify a blood covenant which can never be broken ever again. And in that act all of the past karmas that had originated from the fall in Atlantis so long ago was wiped clean. Wiped clean. As if it had never happened. Because in highest truth, it never did happen. Nor in highest truth has anything that was not birthed of divine truth ever happened. So Jesus, in A Course of Miracles, often speaks of the the crucifixion as the last useless journey and the ego's nightmare. So did Jesus actually die? No. His resurrection, his life, his mastery as a great yogi, as a great mystical traveler, as one of the greatest beings that has ever walked this earth, was to prove that nothing can touch or kill divine love. And so he transfigured his body in divine light and vanished out of the dream. He played out in the cosmic drama that which was necessary to enact an example of selfless love. But at the same time, it was a group endeavor. The office of the Christ is held 
by Enoch. <coughs> Excuse me. Who was caught up in Merkabah and ascended unto the Godhead, if you will. And Elijah, who rose up in the Merkabah, a flaming chariot, as it's called in English. And neither of them knew death. And Jesus, Yeshua, was the first mortal, not that he was really a mortal mortal, but within the dream time, appearing as a mortal, God appearing as flesh, God appearing as the Son. He was the first one to resurrect and transfigure the physical body through grace, through the Holy Spirit. There have been many who have done that in the past, through yogic powers, through cities, through certain exercises of breathing and purifying the body and immortalizing it. There's a whole teaching about immortalization of the physical body that is taught in Buddhism and probably other world faiths as well. It takes an enormous amount of spiritual discipline and practice to master the vagaries of the mind, the crazies of the ever-fluctuating emotional body, the astral body, and the lusts of the flesh. Very difficult to discipline the senses to align with the atomic self. But there are, I believe, 160,000 that have achieved what is called the rainbow body or the diamond body or the Vajra body, the thunderbolt body. And that is the result of human effort. Very difficult. But you see, before grace entered the world, we were depending upon ourselves to transcend the world. We were depending upon our efforts, our works, and it's always hard when we're depending on ourselves, not speaking of the divine self, when we're depending on methods and things that we have to practice. I think we all are pretty tired of that, aren't we? We meditate and meditate and meditate, and then we get up from the mat and we get angry and upset, and we're not much better off than before when we sat down to meditate. Or we do whatever practice, and again, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years pass, and we're the same person, more or less. You know, they say, if you want to find out how enlightened you are, go spend a week with your relatives. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, what made the difference? The difference, beloved, is gratitude. 
You can't have gratitude without love. You can't have gratitude and love without God. Do you love God? Jesus said the greatest thing is that we must love with God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. All of us. Now that's the greatest thing. But how do you love something that you can't see? That you can't touch, that you can't talk, that you can't relate to? You can't. That's why the avatars come. That is the dharma, the duty, the how you call it, the sankalpa, the will, the intention of the avatar is to make God visible in time, space, so that people can have relationship. You can go to the avatar, you can talk to them, you can touch them, you can have their darshan, their blessing, their grace. And that's the difference. Because no matter how hard we try, because we're in a form, we can't understand God unless we create a form. We have to have a form. But every name and every form that we have ever ascribed to the divine is of the one and only invisible transcendental creator that is love. That is experienced as Love And that love in you that you feel is the presence of God. That is the proof of the presence of God is the love that you feel. Now that love will go through many stages. It will go from personal, needy, codependent, you know, the ego's version of love, which the Course in Miracles refers to as a special love, which is actually a, a special form of hatred. The course doesn't beat around the bush. It goes right to the core of the, the matter. Which is why you can pledge at the altar to love someone until death, and a few years or months or days later, you want to beat them to death because the love was never love in the first place. It was simply the ego's substitution which is always some form of bargaining. You do this for me and I'll do that for you. There's always some agenda running. But as that love matures and comes into alignment with the true self, it becomes selfless. And then you have a real marriage that no person can render asunder. That's what they call the marriage made in heaven. Well, what in the world is that? Well, to be very point blank, it's the original separation of the original cell. The original cell is that which we call God, often depicted as a circle, isn't it? What happens in sacred geometry? The very first form that emanates from that single cell, it becomes divided into two. And hence we have Father, Truth, 
mother, love, God. And that's who we are, and that's what we are. And that's the manifestation of that which we call the male and the female, or Purusha and Prakriti. Purusha being the force of grace, the energy of grace, and Prakriti being the matter worlds that receive of that grace. That's why grace is often depicted as feminine or as Shekinah, as the goddess. We create these different concepts to explain what we have no words for. But you are the original it of itself, the original cell, the original all, the original Paramatma that's separated into truth and love and manifest as grace. So all of the concepts that we have created around that about having a twin flame or a soulmate or this or that, everybody is your twin flame. Everybody is your soulmate. Everybody is your beloved. Everybody is your own self. There is no other. So grace is the power given you to realize that. You see, truth is simple. We needlessly burden ourselves with information and translations piled upon translations until we're just absolutely log jammed in our mental body and we can't see anything clearly and we become confused. Confusion simply implies too much input, too much effort trying to understand that which is not necessary to understand, just not necessary. Notice the natural bliss of a child. That is before the samskaras, the impressions of the previous life, descend at the age of 14, thereabouts. But before that, notice the natural presence of the child. It's focused here and now. It easily expresses its feelings. It cries when it's sad. It laughs when it's happy. It eats when it's hungry. It sleeps when it's tired. And everything and everyone is a plaything, a toy, something to be examined, experienced, tasted, touched, interacted with, an absolute purity of innocence. The child is in the natural state of bliss. It's natural, sahaja, sahaja samadhi. 
until we get a hold of it, indoctrinate it, and tell it things that it doesn't need to know, that only later confuse it and become something that it has to let go of. Jesus said we must become as a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the kingdom of heaven? It is simply the loving heart filled with gratitude for all existence, radiating the light of pure presence. And joie de vie, that natural enjoyment of life. Which, when you're in that alignment through gratitude with grace, you notice the beauty, you notice the divinity. You notice that everything in nature is proclaiming the glory of God. Jesus said that if there was no one to tell you about God, the very stones would proclaim the glory of God. Ask any mystic, and they will tell you that everything in nature speaks. Everything is praising God. Everything. Even the planets are singing. Did you know that every single orb in the sky, the trillions and billions of, of radiant worlds that are sparkling on the night sky when you go out in the middle of the desert, far from any city lights, there are stars and worlds inhabited with countless beings. And they're all in one orchestration, one cosmic sound praising God every planet every sun every moon has a particular melodic refrain that it is singing forth if you could open your ears your mystic ears your third ear you would hear that every single blade of grass is sending forth a tone a melodic tone Every flower, every weed, everything that exists, every rock, stone, every person, every animal, everything in creation is glorifying its creator. The bird sings with all of its heart as it's offering to its maker. Everything. And we... We who alone have been given the voice to speak for God, to speak as God, to use our tone, our tongue, our voice to glorify our Creator, to speak words of love and comfort and beauty and harmony. That's what the voice was given for. No one else can speak directly for God, as God, but the human being. 
So your resonance, your tone, your vibration is unique in all of existence. There's no one like you. You are divine presence presenting your unique color, light, sound, music, vibration, intention. You are that embodied presence that is one of a kind. But to access your full power, your full potential, you need gratitude. You need to live in a state of gratitude. And you don't have enough information in the human databanks to judge yourself or anyone because that, you see, takes you on the egos, into the ego's nightmarish version of life, which is dog and eat dog and vengeance cruelty and unkindness and spitefulness and jealousy and adversarialness and againstness. That's its arena, which you can exit through gratitude and access grace and activate miracles. Do you know that Sai Baba said that the only thing that will cure cancer is grace? Oh, we, you know, we poison and we burn and we do all that stuff and we cut. But it's the grace that heals, regardless of the manifestation of uh, the medical approaches we take and their effects. It is the grace that has the final say. That's why it's proven now that people who are prayed for heal at a much rapid, more rapid pace than those who are not prayed for. They've done these tests now. But you see, you have to have a certain love for God, a certain belief in God, a certain action of grace, or you wouldn't even think to pray. So you might say grace is even the energy that reminds us to be grateful, that stirs within us the need to pray, to communicate with our Creator, So you see, it all goes back to grace. And what is grace, bottom line? God's love for you. God's love for you. Yes, God loves you. Not because of anything you do, but because... You are God's own self, objectified. And God can only love itself, can only see itself. God only sees you as a reflection of its own divinity. You know that? Perfection can only see perfection. Love can only see love. Grace can only see grace. 
oh, you thought God was uh, keeping a little black book there with all of your mistakes written down? No, that's somebody's invention. God sees only truth, and the truth is you and God are not separate but one. They've never been separate. You cannot be separate. You cannot be lost. You cannot be overlooked. You cannot be forgotten. You cannot be left behind. All of that is nonsense that came out of some human imagination. Go directly to the love and grace in your heart in full confidence and be at peace. For according to the Course in Miracles, healing is simply return to love. It is simply a return to peace. Again, love and peace come together. So what happens if you're in a state where you have totally forgotten that you are divine and you're really, really, really upset? Well, I think that's pretty much a state that we can all identify with because we're all in that state periodically, aren't we? We get upset, we forget we're divine, we forget that person in front of us is our own self-objectified. <clears throat> we forget about grace, we forget about love, we're just mad. <laughs> we're just unconscious, acting out. Acting out of our pain, hidden pain, whatever. So then the thing you do is stop. Just stop. The moment you can, stop. Take a few deep breaths, first of all. <sighs> Calm down. Do your very best not to verbally react, but go silent and leave the person or situation immediately until you cool down. You spouses that are fighting, don't keep yelling at each other. One of you, hopefully, is a little bit more awake. Go say, you know, we're going to look at this later after we're calmed down. And, and, and don't, don't fight, just leave. Calm down. Drink some cold water. Go out in nature if possible. And then do as the Course in Miracles practice advises, admitting you do not like what you're feeling. And ask the divine spirit, the divine grace within you to take those bad feelings. Take those thoughts that you don't want to have and correct them. And to fill you with divine thoughts and feelings instead. Will this really work? Yes. Not only will it work, it will save you from going into that useless downward spiral of guilt, blame, remorse, self-condemnation, and so forth. Why? Well, you've done all that's required of you 
you've acknowledged that you forgot that you and this other person were divine. Really, that's the only thing we need to ever forgive ourselves for. Forgetting that we are divine. That's it. So you acknowledge that you forgot that you and the other person or persons were divine. And you owned it. You owned your stuff. And you then turned it over to the Holy Spirit, whose job it is to correct and heal you of your illusions and grievances. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's the job of grace. That's the job of grace to correct. It's your job to turn it over, admit it, and release it. Let it go. That's all you're required to do. That's all you're required to do. It's very important. that you admit that you're in a state that you know is not right. The proof being you feel miserable. You feel upset. You feel rattled. You're out of balance. Who who are you to turn to when that happens? If you turn to another person who's focused on their ego, they're going to say, oh, you poor thing. You're right. That person is really blah, 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 blah. They're going to align with you in illusion, not in truth. You have to go to the spirit of truth, which is another name for the Holy Spirit or divine spirit, the spirit of truth. You go direct and say, look, I feel miserable. I don't like the way I'm feeling. I need help. And you turn it over. Of course, the miracle says, you know, you reason with yourself. Well, I don't like the way I feel. Perhaps there's another way I can look at this. Because the ego is going to try to, to build a case here. And so you don't let it by uh, build a case. So you approach like, well, maybe, maybe there's another way I could look at it. You see, that disarms the ego, which depends on you taking a position that's against whatever. So instead, you question. It's like, well, you know, maybe there's another approach here. Why, why don't I try? What do I have to lose? Let me try this other approach. You see, that bypasses the positioning of the lower self. And you just ask the Holy Spirit to take it and to fill you with love, to fill you with God's thoughts, because only the thoughts you think with God are real. The others are part of the illusion that falls away in time. You know, there is no immortality in illusion. It's always temporary. So the next thing, next time you're really, really out of balance, which you know for many of us it's like daily, you just stop, take a deep breath, 
admit you don't like how you're feeling. Perhaps there's another way that you could look at it. You ask the Holy Spirit to take these feelings and help you to see differently, help you to see through the eyes of grace, the eyes of love, the eyes of gratitude. And then you move to the gratitude for the lesson that this has brought up, whatever it is that's teaching instructive to you. Because everything is part of our curriculum in Earth University. Everything is part of our upliftment, advancement, growth, self-mastery, everything. Everything is here to help you step free through grace as quickly as possible. So I am, for one, very grateful that I have this opportunity to speak to you each week. I'm grateful for you in my life, my many selves in the bodies of you. I'm grateful for us. I'm grateful for God. I'm grateful for life. And I'm grateful for this moment. And so let's go out chanting three on I Hughes. And as we do, let's send our loving gratitude to our Creator and to our brothers and sisters who are embodiments of our own self, who have come to dance and play and learn and explore, but most of all, to love and make each other happy. <clears throat> okay, deep breath. I, you, Blessings and grace to each one of you. Namaste.